fucking made it guys people dudes do that stupid people I, I fucking made it i didn't think i was gonna the snake man had a a little heart scare today really not that bad but kind of bad i um i made a, a hot shot batch of coffee the fucking coffee maker in my crib is new and foreign to me and i put a little a wee bit too much my heart was fucking racing today and I was like, oh, I'm certainly not going to be able to do a new Damage Goods podcast, but I also might not be able to do anything but, like, you know, have my heart explode into a million pieces. And my legs were jittering. It was crazy. Um, I've done all kinds of crazy, you know, substances and things in my system. I may have accidentally done, you know, drugs that had other drugs in them that I didn't expect, like, you know, a secret meth batch some fucking psycho puts into something that you thought was something else. And that'll get your heart going, nah, dude. Whatever I did with this coffee this morning was like, put it like this. It's a goddamn blessing I'm here. <laughs> I'm being melodramatic, but you know that's my style. It makes everything more fun and entertaining. And this is the Damage Goods Podcast. I am Jake the Snake, Jake Frazick, your host. I'm not, I am Jake the Snake. Doesn't that sound pompous when you say that? Or, you know, people's uh, social media handles will be like the blank. Like mine would be the Jake Frazick, the Jake the Snake. Also, I'm being critical of that. This is coming from a dude who spent probably 10 years of his youth speaking in third person. So who the fuck am I? But anyway, yes. Counts of blessings. I'm here. The coffee did not kill me. I'm better. I smoked a joint. I jumped in the pool. Took a corner of a Mexican Valium. Because if you take a half or a fully, it's nap time. So I feel much better. So thank you for uh, your emotional support. If you gave me any during my coffee crisis. Dude, my heart was fucking racing. It was insane. Um... It's the first time I've had a panic attack like that in a while. I knew it was the coffee because there was nothing else to induce it, but it was a rough one. Uh, bear with me if the audio doesn't sound crispy clean like it usually does from these roadcaster mics and shit. I'm down in Mexico uh, again. Don't have uh, my full equipment with me, so I'm using fucking the mic on these headphones. So, yeah, bear with me. I'll try to make it cool. I'll try to make it sound good. Uh, flying solo dolo on this one, on this episode, and uh, I did a little interactive thing, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on my social media, I asked people to, you know, give me some uh, help with this. The theme of this podcast, the name of this episode is The Last Time, like when's the last time I did this or that or this happened to me, what have you. So some people hit me up with some questions, uh, I didn't put all of them on here, I put, um, most of them, and you know, the more interesting ones. There were some repeat ones, which is interesting to me, uh, because that's where people's you know minds are at when it comes to asking me shit. So that's interesting. But anyway, I'm gonna run through some of these questions. The last time I did X, Y, and Z, and tell you, um, and you know, enjoy it. Yeah, you know, don't do as I do though, or do as I say. You know, what works for me may not work for you. So. By no means am I a role model or trying to champion my morals and values and lifestyle for anyone else. It just happens to do all right for the snake man. So uh, before we begin, I'm going to take a little sip of this beverage because it's hot. I got the fucking windows and doors shut. All right. The first pregunta, numero uno, the first question. When was the last time you had shower sex? Um, off rip, I'm going to say I 
don't much care for shower sex or hot tub sex or pool sex. Uh, water is a terrible lubricant. It's not a lubricant, dude. That shit makes shit abrasive. We've all been in these environments and probably fornicated and you learn that way. It's not the best, dude. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to fornicate in the shower or in like a hot tub, you gotta keep the parts of the body that penetrate, <laughs> the penetrating parts, the sexual organs, you've got to keep them out of the water. So if you're in the hot tub, thigh deep. If you're in the shower, try not to get, you know, your your, your joint wet or hers wet because it's just not gonna be smooth. The upside is it makes for an easy cleanup, which is good. Um, and maybe orally type things are a little better in the shower. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, sorry for dancing around it. Due to my mild disdain and appreciation for shower sex, the last time I can remember was about two and a half years ago in Provence, in the south of France, in, uh, in this fancy hotel shower. It was a large shower too. I'm a big dude, 6'2", 208 pounds. So, you know, you need a little room in there. So that was the last time, yeah, two and a half years ago. Uh, also, I fell through a wall uh, a year and a half ago, so my memory sometimes is spotty. So it might have been more recent, but probably not, because, like I said, shower sex. It's for the young and the youthful who don't know any better. Um, next question. When was the last time you were scared? <laughs> Fucking this morning with the coffee. Uh, that shit was terrifying. Uh, but probably the last time I was really scared... Uh, a few days ago, I surfed this place in, in uh, the East Cape of Baja, Mexico, called Nine Palms. It was my first time there. Every time I surf a new spot, it's, it's always a little scary. It's not scary, but I don't neglect the fear. If you grab my new book, The Waiting Room, which is out now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, select stores, Kindle and ebook coming soon, um, I talk about how you, you know, fear is not to be neglected. You kind of need to, not even kind of, you do need to keep that shit in, in your mind because it keeps you on balance. It keeps you on your square. It keeps you in check. It lets you know where the edge is. But I mean, you got to mitigate it. You can't be just shook all the time. But um, surfing the other day, anytime I surf a new spot for the first time, and I went with my boy who surfed there a bunch, it's good, you know, to have somebody there with you because this is a reef rock break. It's a right breaking reef. And it's super sharp, big ass rocks that stick out of the water. So you got to know where to paddle out to go around them, where to line up, and where these big rocks will protrude through the water, if you will. And you don't want to fall on these things or hit them with your board or certainly not the reef. There's really not much room for error because you will get fucked up. Your board will get fucked up and that's no fun. But that's not what was scary. Although, you know, it's a new spot. I don't know the vibe there. That's intimidating. It was, it was not supposed to be super big. It was, it was like head high, one foot, two foot overhead, which I've surfed before, but at this spot I hadn't. So I was a little, you know, you're a little scared paddling out. Um, but then, you know, you catch your first wave, your second wave, and you're fucking in the groove. And then I had a few incredibly great ones, some of the actually biggest waves of my life, and I felt fucking great. And I like, I like doing things that push me. I like doing some things that scare me. Not like I want to jump into a pit of fucking vipers. Not that crazy, but there's benefits, I think, to f doing some shit that scares you. And certainly for me, there's that feeling of accomplishment, like you conquered this thing, and it alleviates the fear, but not just for that moment. It alleviates the fear going forward. Now you know you can do this. Like Now I know I can go surf that spot when it's super big, or whatever your fear is. Say it's public speaking, or you know talking to this girl, this dude, or 
I don't know, whatever, quitting your job. Once you do it, you realize, okay, whew, I did that. All right. I could do this again and maybe even push yourself a little more. And I do things constantly that kind of scare me. Surfing. I mean, skateboarding used to do that for me. I mean, fucking writing, dude. If you've read my books, like Quicksand and The Waiting Room, the shit I write is really personal. And the scary part about that is putting it out there. You're very vulnerable. And you're telling things, at least I am, that, you know, shit, man, a lot of my friends don't even know. I don't share these things. And now I'm sharing it with fucking strangers around the globe. And then you're also putting out, you know, these are true stories and they include other people. So sometimes, you know, family or close ones to you, you know, you worry about how they're going to react to what you said. And it's not what you said. I mean, this is just how it fucking happened. But anyway, I do things that kind of scare me a little bit here and there. And then other more adventurous, wild things like driving in crazy places and cliffs and maybe, you know, poking around in somewhere you're not supposed to or going to some crazy strip club in East St. Louis in the hood and like the part of the town where everything's boarded up and the, even the cab driver's terrified to bring you. I do shit like that. Push my boundaries. I enjoy it. All right. Last time you went to Boston. I have not been home to Boston in a year. Um, I was back in Springfield, Mass. in June and the fall, because that's where my father's family's from, and after he just passed, and I had things to do, and I didn't have time to go to Boston, I had shit to do, and I live in fucking California, and then I also end up in Mexico a good part of the time, and then I travel in other places for whatever reason, so going back there, like, I just haven't gone back in a year, and now that plane tickets cost, like, fucking $5,000 plus your kidney, uh, you know, I'll be going back soon. I do have to go back to see some family, so maybe this spring I'll be back. So, yeah, a year. Ah, this is a fun one. Last time you hooked up with a stripper or a prostitute. I will preface the answer to this question by saying I am in a uh, relationship where I'm very faithful now. I don't cheat no more. That shit's all in the past, and I've been with my girl for about four years now, I believe. I'm terrible with times, but something like that, so... Any of these, this answer would pertain to times before those four years. So the last time uh, with a stripper would have been right around four and a half years, five years ago. Uh, a young lady I met at a establishment in Los Angeles, a gentleman's club. Not the one I used to do security at. You're not supposed to mix business with pleasure. You don't shit what you eat. Learn that fucking lesson, kids. Because if not, you'll learn it the hard way. No, but she worked at another establishment. Um, and then, you know, we ended up uh, going out and hanging out a few times. And you might, might read about that in my book, too. Uh, the last time a prostitute or, or a professional worker girl, God, that would have been a little longer ago. I'm going to say that was probably in Las Vegas or San Francisco, I think. I can't remember. I just Sometimes you want to do it for fun. Like I said, I like to do wild shit. All right. Last time you surfed, three days ago. Uh, to answer that, or two days ago, yeah, like what I was just describing about being scared. There was Nine Palms, which is the East Cape of uh, Baja, Mexico, right on the tip. If you go to Cabo, which everybody seems to be going there, and you drove an hour to the towards the Sea of Cortez side, but it's still on the tip where you get the Pacific, where the waves break still. If you go up the Sea of Cortez, you ain't going to surf because it's like a sea. It's just salty and flat. It's great for snorkeling and fishing and paddleboarding, but I'm not trying to do all that. I'm trying to keep these motherfucking waves. Last time I dropped acid. Shit. Last time might be tomorrow. I In my drawer right here, there's a Visine bottle. In red Sharpie, it says LSD on it. 
and it's uh, Dragon Tears or Phoenix Tears, I believe. One or the other that my friend gave me. I don't want to really talk about that too much because in my new book, again, God, look at these promos I keep hitting for the waiting room. In my new book, there's a chapter called Drug Box. It's the last chapter. And it pertains to a drug box that my father has down in Mexico that has various things in it. And this uh, visine bottle full of LSD was gifted by a friend of mine to him and I. And it's sitting there and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get into that this week if I have, if I have, if I have the time. But the last time I did was probably years ago. As much as I love psychedelics and hallucinogens, and I do. They're my favorite substance. I did so much acid in high school. Like, you know, they say, if you've done it more than 16 times, you know, you're legally insane. Dude, I'm fucking legally insane like 10 times over. In high school, we, there was a couple years where every Friday and Saturday we would drop an acid. Like during school, the last few classes of Friday and then going into the weekend. And then in my 20s too, and now... I kind of just prefer mushrooms and piecing it out like a cap and a stem. Wait a little while, another one. I don't just grub a whole eighth right away. And I, I do fuck with some other hallucinogens, but it's been a while for acid. So I'd say the last time I had LSD was about two and a half years ago um, with my boy. And we, it was like midnight or it was dark. And we walked all the way to the beach and we were just bugging out. But before that, shit, dude, it was almost like eight years since I had LSD. Acid. All right. When was the last time you cried? Ah, man, crying is good for you. Crying is good for you, and I wish I did it more. Um, after my father passed last year, I w came back. I flew to Springfield to, you know, the funeral. I flew with a fucking urn in my bag. Goddamn customs thought it was a fucking kilo of heroin. But, uh, and then I came back to Mexico. Excuse me. And my, my girl had been back to L.A. and I was down at the house alone. In the house, you know, where this dude had passed away, and I'm, I'm, you know, I was still mourning, and I was drinking, and just hanging out on the roof, getting fucked up, going to my boy's bar. I definitely did a few days of crying and stuff then, um, and I cried at the, not at the funeral, but after I went out to the bar with my cousins, and I was just, you know, letting it go. So at least last, uh, last late March, early April, there might have been another time here and there. I can't remember, but. There was so long in my life where I didn't cry, like fucking 15, 20 years. And then after I started doing ayahuasca ceremonies, it opened up and I can cry a lot easier and it feels fucking great. So if you're holding it in, dude, let that shit out because it's going to give you a goddamn ulcer or something else. You know, if you got to do it in private, do it in private, whatever. I don't really care. I'll shed tears in some front of somebody. I can give a fuck. All right. Last time you went on vacation. Ha! I'm on vacation like all the time, but not all the time. A lot of people like to say that I look like I am because it's what it appears like, right? I've got these fucking wild, crazy mushroom Hawaiian, they're not Hawaiian shirts, but everyone thinks they are, like dinosaur shirts and shorts and eyeglasses chains and I'm at the beach and I'm drinking something cool. Cool meaning like, I don't know, fucking pina colada or mojito or whatever. So it looks like I'm on vacation a lot, and I am, but I'm also working. I, I balance it. I haven't had a straight vacation with zero work since I was probably probably in France two and a half years ago. Because when I traveled on tour all the time working with bands and artists, you get a day off here and there, but you're working. So that ain't no vacation. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm in Mexico now, but I'm still working. I'm doing interviews and press shit for the book. I'm handling biz down here. So it's not a straight vacation. The last time I've had like a few days where I left, you know, where I live in L.A., it was probably, yeah, it was probably south of France two and a half years ago. Because, <clears throat> I mean, 
I definitely have my vacation days in LA whenever I want. And it's not always on a long weekend. It might be fucking Monday, Wednesday, whatever. And I'm just, you know, I'm hanging out. And some people get jealous. Oh, it must be nice. You know, I hate that. I hate that fucking phrase. But it's like, yeah, dude, you've got the nine to five. I, I, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm envious of your stability. I don't. I have to work in a certain facet to make things happen. But then it also affords me the liberty of sometimes I could have three or four days on a Wednesday and not do nothing. You know, I can just fucking chill. So it's, it's great. So sometimes I feel like I'm on vacation when I'm really not. But that's not a proper one. Uh, I think I'm actually due for a proper vacation. At least five, six days where I ain't got to do shit. Just chill, relax. Possibly leave the phone away. That's a real vacation. Not having the fucking phone, dude. Uh, tuning out, if you will. When's the last time I had a top five meal of my life? I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to travel the world a lot and grow up in other countries and, and shit. And um, I, love, I love food. I love eating. I, I have a wide palate. Um, uh, and I like you know cooking and shit. So I appreciate all kinds of cuisines. And that's one of my favorite things about traveling. And it doesn't just have to be internationally. Even in, in the United States, there's so many little towns, cities, parts of the country that have just awesome food, you know, regional shit. You know, if you're in this place, maybe you eat that. You're over here, you eat this. And I, I love that. And I've had such great meals everywhere. It's hard to pinpoint. But recently, in the last, like, year, I did have, like, I did have two staggeringly incredible meals in Los Angeles, actually, out of all places. Uh, Musso and Frank's, which is, like, one of the oldest restaurants in Hollywood. It's very traditional steakhouse classic menu, you know, dimly lit. You get your own little leathery booths and shit. The wait staff is, is impeccable. I mean, when you go to a really good restaurant, you're paying for the food, but you're paying for the experience. And with good wait staff, I mean, dude, they, they just know how to do it right. They're not overbearing. They're not every five minutes, are you okay? Are you doing good? Can I get you anything? And you got a mouthful of fucking crab meat and you're like, this is fucking great. They don't bother you because they're not stressing the tips so much because I mean, these are expensive restaurants, so the tip's going to be well worth it. So they don't bother you. And that's what it's like in a lot of places in Europe. I mean, sometimes, like in France or, or in certain countries, Spain, Italy, you have to like work to flag the waiter down um, if you want something. They're not going to harass you because they're also paid better over there. It's not like they're working just off tips like in the United States. Um, they, they get... A fucking, I don't know if you call it a salary, but they're getting paid proper. And if you tip them, sometimes it's viewed as an insult, like as if they didn't, you know, do it. But it's like a career over there where over here in America, except for extremely fine dining, people look down on it like it's like a, a thing you do, a placeholder job while you're in college or this and that. But like shit, you know, like my mother was a bartender. My aunt fucking was a waitress in a diner. Like I, mean, I worked in the kitchen as a line cook in a and the dishwasher. I mean, there's no shame in these things, but in America, we have these fucked up perceptions of certain jobs. Like, you're a bum if you do this. You gotta be doing this to be okay. So, the, yeah, Mousson Franks was exceptional. If I recall, I had filet mignon with some Bernays, some lobster tails. We had some oysters, classic shrimp cocktail, probably a Caesar salad, some shit like that, but it's a very nice one. And then also, Osteria Moza in LA. Not the pizza place, but it's more of like a, and it's Italian, but it's not heavy pasta. It's like steaks and different things. Incredible duck. Incredible duck. Uh, some fire rabbit fusilli pasta and a bunch of other shit. Uh, we went, me, my girl, my boy, his lady, and spent 
couple hours and a lot of bread on some delicious food. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be like a top five meal. It doesn't have to be the most expensive shit. But those two are my most recent ones. So to answer your question, yeah. When's the last time you pulled an all-nighter? <laughs> two weeks ago, probably. I mean, all-nighter, like, I didn't stay up all night and, like, go do shit. I probably knocked out at, like, 8 in the morning. If you're talking about a proper all-nighter where I didn't sleep at all and then went on to do stuff, it was a couple years ago. The last time the Patriots won a Super Bowl. When we came back, that crazy comeback against Atlanta, um, I foolishly stayed up all night partying. Actually, I wrote about it in my book in Quicksand. There's a chapter where I think it's called Shaken Not Stirred where I talk about I was doing some cocaine and I think there might have been some meth in it or something like that. Allegedly. Oh, this is alleged. And it just had me jacked up all night. And I didn't. I stopped fucking with the shit at like, you know, 2 in the morning and it's like 6 in the morning and I can't sleep. And I couldn't sleep. And I stayed up all night and I'm going over to my boy's house to watch the game. He lives close by, 10 minutes away. And it's, it's you know, I'm going over at noontime. I haven't slept a fucking wink. I'm, you know, still wired. I'm, you know, drink a couple beers. We're eating some food. And I pass out right before halftime. We're getting slaughtered by the, by the Falcons. I wake up just the beginning of the third quarter. And we, you know, have this momentous comeback that was exceptional. And that kind of like woke me back up. It was awesome. You know, I got all jazzed up. I got all jazzed up. God, I never said that uh, until now. I just lost cool factor points. Uh, but it was pretty dope to watch them come back and win that. And then like, he was like, oh, let's hang, let's chill. I was like, bro, I got to go home and crash the fuck out. So that would have been, whatever, four years ago, I think that, that Super Bowl was. Last time you had a bender, <laughs> probably about two weeks ago or so. And what constitutes a bender? You know, I don't know. My definition may vary from yours. Um, a few days in a row of partying with various substances. It's not one. It's not like I just went out drinking for a couple of nights. Mine's mixed up. A few weeks ago, there was one more recent, but a few weeks ago, I had a very good friend of mine, an ill artist in town. We stayed, we hung, we surfed, we chilled, and he had, we have other artist friends, mutual ones in LA. And one night we went out to, um, it was hilarious. He, he had like a blind date with some girl that was his brother's wife's friend. And he wanted me to come, like, to, like, be a buffer zone. I was like, dude, that's weird as shit. But he didn't even get a picture of the girl, so I felt him. So I came, and she was, like, a, a, a waitress, or a sommelier, rather, at a very fancy spot in L.A. I think it's the highest building in downtown. So I go, we drink some free wine and champagne, and, um, and we're getting fucked up. We were smoking weed earlier. And then she's like, why don't you guys come? I'm off my shift. Like, come back to my place. I have tons of wine. I was like, this is weird. Does this chick want to do a little... Like she's trying to manifest a threesome. Um, and so we go back to the crib and I was like, dude, I'll just go. We were going to go meet our other boy at his art studio in Hollywood and party and hang and do some shit, some art. It's like, I'll just, I'll just go over to our boy's place. Why don't you come meet me? He's like, no. Nah. She, and she and him were both like, stay. I think he wanted me to stay to make sure nothing weird happened, which is, you know, maybe he wasn't into it. And she wanted me to stay for God knows what reason. We got there, had a couple glasses of wine. Her dog was fucking batshit crazy. The way she talked about this dog was as if she had had the dog for years and years and years. She just got it like a month and a half ago. A rescue dog, which, no offense to rescue dogs, but sometimes because of the treatment they may have poorly received, they can be a little unfriendly. You ain't petting Fido and feeding them biscuits, dude. They might be fucking nonstop jumping up on your lap. You're constantly fucking brushing them off. Just, you can't leave a drink on a table. The tail's going to knock it over. It's just too much, dude. I'm not here for that. So... 
we got out of there quick. I don't think my boy was really feeling it, and I certainly wasn't. So we go to our boy's art studio. It's late now. It's midnight. He's got music blasting at the studio. He's doing art. And there's about five different substances going on in your system on a bender. And no, the night before, we partied all night anyway. So this night, you know, there's, there's, there's things being smoked and eaten and sniffed and popped and drank. And then there's a DMT pen floating around, and it just gets wild. And then we did thou uh, that after the night before party. Then we surfed the next day after four hours of sleep and then partied again. So yeah, little little bender wender, dude. Little fender bender. Um, when's the last time I almost died? Hmm. Well, sometimes when you surf, you feel like you might die if there's some crazy waves. You get sucked under the water for a little while longer than you were anticipating. And it comes out of nowhere. You know, when the waves come in, you know, you duck dive, you turtle roll, you're prepared to go underwater. When it, you know, you fall... And it rips you under, puts you through the machine, washing you. It's unexpected, and it sends you in a little bit of like a, a tizzy. You know, it's, it's your heart rate goes, and which shortens your breath, which makes you feel like you've been underwater longer than you have. Um, but there were some other times recently. I mean, fuck, dude, like a year ago in Mexico, my father was in the hospital. It's nighttime. It's raining a little bit, which was weird at this time of the year. And I had to drive alone to the capital city an hour away to bring him some food because he was complaining about the food in the hospital. And this capital city of Baja Sur, La Paz, is, it's, uh, it's not sketchy per se, but the cops are known to, to be fucking foul. And the municipality there, it's not like a tourist place like Cabo, so the cops don't get as much money, so they're looking to jack anybody, especially if you have, like, uh, you know, United States plates. I, was, I drove down with my car. I got Cali plates on and I've been extorted by cops down here. I bribed cops down here. And like None of that shit is new. But this was different. This dude was wilding. He had his hand on the gun. He was talking this other shit. It, what, he wasn't even like... Usually the game is, hey, you uh, made a traffic infraction. You didn't use your turn signal, your blinker. You were speeding. Uh, we got to take you to the station to fill that out for the ticket. And then you say, oh, I'm sorry, officer. I'm in a rush. I don't got the time. Can we handle this right here? Which is what they want. And they say, okay, well, the fine is... X amount of pesos, you give it to him, boom, they leave. That wasn't the case. This dude was like, yo, run your shit. Hand on the gun, and he had an older officer with him. And the guy was like trying to speak in English to me, but the, the young guy was like, nah, fuck it, he speaks Spanish, fuck him. And the guy was like, hey, calm down. And he's like, nah, fuck that. And I was like, dude, I'm just going to the hospital. I was not even a mile away from it. And uh, dude was just fucking, he like, and it was nighttime, and it's dark right on the edge of the city. Like, dude could have left me in a ditch if he wanted, you know. And then driving on... Highway 1 in Mexico and Baja, you could almost always die because it's just so fucking sketchy and it's one lane each way. And when an 18-wheeler Coca-Cola truck or whatever is just coming flying, there's no shoulder in the road and there's no guardrail. And if you go to the shoulder, it drops about a foot down before it's a dirt hill. So you really got to stay on point, but you're like whizzing by millimeters from a giant 18-wheeler that would destroy you. Uh, and that happened a lot. So those are probably the last couple times I almost died. And that would have been, you know six months ago to answer your questions or today with the coffee i thought i was gonna die with a fucking coffee but boom dude i'm here for a reason to do podcasts like this damage good style so thank you for uh all the questions if i didn't get to yours i'm sorry or just come with an iller question next time we'll do this again this was fun this was interactive and if you have not already my book the waiting room is out now if you go to any of my socials it's there Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Yes, Walmart sells it, which is crazy. I didn't even know my publisher was getting it there. I didn't even know Walmart fucking sold books. I thought it was just like cheap clothes, guns, and, and 
you know, cheap food and I don't know, whatever the fuck else. Shows how much I've been in a Walmart recently. But anyway, yeah, and then uh, select bookstores, depending where you live. If you live in a big city, your stores might have it. If you're in a smaller one, probably not because I'm not that famous of a writer yet. And uh, Kindle and ebook any fucking day now, dude. If my, my publishers get this shit together, I hope you're not listening. I'm not bad mouthing you guys. But yeah, it's coming soon. And then I will do an audiobook version down the line. I want to milk the physical copies and the Kindle copies. But yo, check all that shit out. And if you do, if you do, please go, even if you buy it on another platform or whatever, go give me an Amazon review and rating. It, it does help with book shit. Because if you recall, many a moon ago, Amazon started off as a book selling place. It wasn't just selling everything in the fucking world, putting mom and pop stores out of business and sending its CEO to space if he wasn't busy buying the Washington Post and other large publications, but yes, an Amazon review and rating would be great. Please do. Until next time, and I'll probably have a guest next time, so we'll get back to the typical format. Anyway, keep your goods damaged, keep your room waiting. Thank you.